Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your presence in this place today. Thank you for your love and your love and your mercy and compassion that's here today as we gather around not just your word, but food also. And Lord, I just lift up everyone that's in this place that comes in with a heavy heart, with a doubtful heart, with a heart that's weighed down from the things of this world. And may they find joy and release from their chains in you. And Father, we praise you and we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that's moving in this place today. Lord, as we experience your love around the table coming to us through others, Lord, may we embrace that love today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 You can be seated. Um, yeah, we're, so we're gathered around tables today. Um, so I hope everybody came ready to play Duck, Duck, Goose. Are we good? We're playing some Duck, Duck, Goose today? Um, no, I'm just kidding. Just real quick, if you were involved, I just want to say thank you to everybody that was involved with blessing the teachers. Um, I got this email. To, I got this email this week. Thank you, thank you, and all of the River family for the treats you all supplied to LHS staff last week. We really enjoyed and appreciated your thoughtfulness. So um, it did not go unnoticed. So thank you to everybody who blessed and loved on our teachers uh, in Lapel schools. Yeah, give yourself a round of applause for that. And um, um, I want to, just a shout out, I, he doesn't know I'm going to do this, but Kamal and his wife Chelsea are here today. Hi, Kamal. Uh, Kamal's, um, they, he is a missionary. He is, uh, you guys hear me talk about the missionary from India, from India to the United States, um, and he, Paducah, Kentucky area, that's him. Um, we had breakfast with him yesterday, and Kamal came to this country with $600 and a Bible. That was it and landed in Chicago, and now he's a missionary here um, and does work between the United States and India, and so we're grateful to have him and his family here today. Um, so if you get a chance, say hi to Kamal. I didn't, was that okay, brother? No, it's okay, all right. <laughs> um, so uh, nice, to, nice to see you guys again, and nice to see your kids now, because your kids weren't at breakfast yesterday, so. Well, you have in front of you some papers, and... Um, and so you can take notes. I'm going to help you take notes a little bit today if you want. We're just going to make this brief because I know that no matter what I say, everybody is thinking about food. So um, Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, as we continue about spiritual warfare, uh, Colossians 2, 15 says this. It says, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And so he writes, Paul writes to the church in Colossae, and he says that Jesus disarmed all of the powers of darkness and made an open spectacle of them. In other words, he put on full display their defeat. And how did he do that? The resurrection. Through the power of the, through the, power of the Holy Spirit, he came back to life and put on display that even the most powerful of all forces, could not stop him, right? Like, we can get paddles and we can resuscitate people, but Jesus from get-go was like, yeah, I'm going to die and I'll be back, under his own free will, right? Under his own fruition, under his own power, he goes, you will destroy this temple, my body, and I'll bring it back in three days. You won't stop me. And so he puts on an open display, he puts on an open display 
of defeating satanic powers and the powers that would try to pull us in and twist our thoughts and twist our minds and twist our feelings and distort us to bring us down. Because why? Because we have an enemy that hates us because we're made in the image of the very being that kicked him out of heaven. Right? So what happens for most of us, what happens for most of us is that we accept Christ and then we think suddenly, well, why didn't the light switch just flip for some of us, right? We're a lot like the, the circus elephant that r- rides in the train, and at every stop, he, gets, he has chains on his feet, and he gets nailed into the ground. And no matter how much, no matter how much he tries, he walks, and he can't get. And so he, this elephant learns his radius. This circus elephant learns his radius of where he can walk right? And even though he's strong enough to pull and break the chain or pull the pin out of the ground, he never does because in his head he's trapped. And then one, one day they're setting up for the circus and they forget to chain him to the pin and they forget to put the chain on his feet. But you know where the elephant is? Still trapped, walking in the same circumference around the pin. Why? Because he's trapped in his mind. He's trapped in his mind. And for most of us, when we accept Christ and we believe in Jesus and we get baptized as a public declaration, most of us are still trapped in our feelings and trapped in our minds. A lot of us will read Colossians and say, well, why? If he defeated it, then why do I still have these issues? Because like I said from day one in this series, The battle for most of us is not casting out a demon. The battle for most of us is not facing a demon head on. The battle for most of us is in our minds. That's where they drop the thoughts. That's where they drop the feelings. That's where they try to persuade you of who who they want you to think that you are. So here's what I want to invite you to do. I want you to just take a moment with those around your table or those around you and just, just say, Uh, Just ask or answer this question. What are some areas of wrong thinking, wrong believing, or fears or memories that entrap people? Just Just around your table, just discuss for a few minutes. What are some wrong thoughts that entrap people, wrong feelings, wrong emotions that, that trap people? Go ahead. All right, all right. Got, uh, got some things there that, where people get trapped and stuck in their mind, thoughts, feelings, emotions, right, that people get trapped, right? Rick Renner says in his book, Dressed to Kill, he says that the mind is the strategic center where spiritual warfare with the God of this world takes place. The mind is the strategic center where the spiritual warfare with the God of this world takes place. This is where spiritual warfare happens for you. This is where it happens. Your wife didn't really mean that when she said that. Your husband's probably out with some other woman. It just just happens. It comes into our mind, these thoughts, and we have to take them captive, the Bible says, right? We have to take them under control. And so if you've got your papers there, let's go through a few things. Our natural mind... Our natural mind and our natural way of thinking, according to Romans 8, 7, is, and you're filling in the blank, is an enemy of God. Your mind, by nature, will think the opposite of God. It will think the opposite of God's thoughts. 
by nature. It is an enemy of God by nature. Colossians 1.21, you can look these up on your own, talk about them as you and your spouse climb into bed at night, look them up, read them together. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 tells us that your natural mind is alienated from God. Your natural mind is alienated from God. It is not connected to God by nature. So those of you that struggle with your thoughts and struggle with your mind, you're dealing with the real natural self that the enemy can put thoughts into, create emotions, which create actions, right? Your thoughts create emotions, and then your emotions create your actions, and so until you get the thought under control, uh, Ephesians 4, 7 and 18, uh, chapter 4, 17 and 18 is vain. It says your natural thoughts are vain. They're worthless. That's, that's pretty powerful stuff. Um, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, your natural mind is blind to seeing God work. Your natural mind is by nature blind to seeing God work. Romans 1, 8, uh, Romans 1, Verse 28, your mind is complete, your mind thinks completely opposite of God. In scripture, in some translations, this is called a reprobate mind. You ever heard that somebody said they're reprobate? You ever heard that word? That means complete opposite direction. Your mind by itself is a reprobate mind. It will go completely opposite of what heaven says, of what the Holy Spirit says to do. Your mind by itself will go completely against God. God by nature, right? So this is why then scripture says in Romans 12 2, we are to renew our minds. We have to get the scripture into our minds to change the way we think. We have, you can accept Christ and believe he's the son of God and not change your mind about stuff. And the war will continue to battle. And if you're constantly checking social media like every five minutes with the news on, right, talking to all of your ungodly friends and all of their thoughts are getting dumped into your head, guess what's forming and shaping your mind. If you're listening to music that the people who wrote the music, whose minds are not lined up with the word of God, guess what those lyrics are? Reprobate. Opposite. And so your mind has to be, you have to intentionally begin to funnel your mind to begin to think like God. Otherwise, your mind will think completely opposite of God. So we have to renew our minds, Romans 12.1. We have to have spiritual renewal, Ephesians 4.23. Colossians 3.10 tells us we have to renew our knowledge base. You have to get a whole new basis of understanding of this world and this creation. You have to get a whole new understanding of who you are and what you're about. You have, to renew, you have to get a whole new knowledge base. When you come to Christ, you have to say, okay, whatever I've learned previously, I have to begin to uproot that thing and plant new seeds. This is why it's so important for people who come to Christ to surround themselves with other Christians. This is why those of us that have been walking with Christ for years need to find out, find the new Christians and begin to surround them and invite them out to eat and begin to hang around them and begin to pour into them the things that we know and the things that we understand because we have to pull out the old roots and plant new seeds and cultivate that. So we have to renew our, uh, our, our knowledge base. Colossians 3.16 tells us the Bible must live in us, Right? 
the Bible must live in us. We have to allow the Word of God to begin to take root and to begin to grow in us. 1 Peter 1, 13 and 14, we have to prepare our minds for Christ. It doesn't mean like, okay, well, I'm going to get to church and then I'll see what happens. No, you have to prepare your mind before you arrive. You have to prepare your mind to say, I'm going to church today to hear from God. I'm going to church today to experience the Holy Spirit. I'm going to church today to change my life. I'm going to experience the Holy Spirit so that he can change and renew my mind and change myself. If you're just showing up to church for a checklist, then stay home and watch it on Facebook, on video. But if you really want to change your mind and really get surrounded, this is why it's so important that you put a seed in good soil. Most people now, since COVID, are just a seed sitting in their pajamas in their bed. And they're not sitting in dirt surrounded by other people. They're just getting water on them. They're getting the water of the word through the internet, but they're not surrounding themselves with any dirt. What happens? You flood the seed. And statistically, I just want to share this. When COVID first hit, I had friends who were atheists that couldn't even get on social media. They hated it because it was just constantly church services all the time. They stayed off like social media for a week. They, they hated it. And statistically, that was true. It shot through the roof. And now, two years later, people have gotten into the habit of watching church online and church attendance, whether online or in person, doesn't matter. It is in a steep decline because people are going, well, I'll just, I'll just watch church later in the week. It's recorded. I'll just come up and I'll watch it on Tuesday. Well, Tuesday gets here. Well, the kids were busy and crazy. I'll just watch it tomorrow. And what happens? The falling away. The falling away is happening. It's happening right now because people are trying to take the easy way out. And I can tell you right now that anything worth having in life is not easy. And so if the gospel is the most important thing on the planet, if the gospel and Jesus is the most important thing to humanity, don't expect it to be easy. If you want an easy life, just don't become a Christian. Let's just put it that way. Right? I mean, it's, honestly, you guys are laughing because you know it's true. Right? Okay. So we have to prepare our minds. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, as we close this up at our last verse. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, we covered, uh, the, we hit this a little bit last week. We didn't cover this verse, but we covered verse 12. So we're kind of going backwards a little bit. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 says, put on the full armor of God. And next week, we're going to start going through the armor. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The word schemes there is the Greek word methodia, M-E-T-H-O-D-E-I-A, methodia. You see an English word in there? Method. That's right, method. He says, put on the full armor of God because the enemy has a method for reaching you as an individual. The enemy will reach Terry... The method that the enemy uses with Terry will be different than the method he uses with me. And the method that the enemy uses for Chris will be different than the one he uses for Joseph. Why? Because we are all born with a predis predisposition to a particular sin. We are born into sin. The devil knows which sin you're born into, and he knows I'll use that sin to pull them away from God and convince them it's okay. 
And so we will justify everything. And society don't mind. It will justify because society has no power against Satan and his thinking and his way of doing things. And so they will just go with it. And so this word methodia means a path or an approach after, you ready for this? A path or approach after careful study. Now, if it means a path or approach after careful study, it means you're being watched and you're being studied by the dark forces and the rulers of this world. How can I get to Chris? Let's study what he does every single day. This is why the Bible, the Bible calls these spirits familiar spirits. They are demonic forces that study humanity and they study humans specifically. So that when you go to a seance and call up a spirit, it's not that dead person. It's actually the demon impersonating because that particular demon studied that person their entire life. And they knew how to manipulate their mind and their emotions. So when you go to a seance and call up a dead person, you're not calling up a dead person. You're calling up the demonic, the, the demonic that studied that person. I don't have time for that this morning because you all want to eat. But understand this. It is after careful study, the devil goes, now. I understand the method of how to bring them down. Bring them down. This goes back to the very first week when I talked about when Paul uses the word wrestle, it literally means face-to-face, hand-to-hand combat, and the last one standing. Somebody is going to die in the hand-to-hand combat. That was the type of wrestling Paul referenced. This is real. This is what happens in the unseen world. Paul is making it very clear when he uses the word schemes. We think strategy, like, oh, the devil is strategizing. No, this means a specific path after you've studied somebody. And if you don't think you're being studied, think again. He's coming after you. The good news is he can't get you. Not if you stay, not if you stay diligent. Not if you stay diligent. So... Just, uh, just a, so, at, this is my last thing. It'll be up on the screen. As long as you identify, as long as your identity is built on your pain, you cannot be free from it. The enemy will convince you, well, you're an alcoholic and you'll always be an alcoholic. You're a drug addict, you'll always be a drug addict. You feel like this, you'll always be this. And as long as you identify with it, you'll never break free from it. Well, I'm just, I'm just a liar. I'll always be a liar. I'm just attracted like this, and I'll always be attracted like this. I'm just stuck this way. And the Bible says, no, that's not, that's not how it works. But as long as you identify with it, you'll never be free from it. So, I want you guys just to take a second, answer, answer uh, this question, talk at your tables. Why do so... Why, why do you think, after hearing all this, why do you think so many believers struggle with strongholds in their minds even though Jesus has already set them free? Go ahead, talk about your tables. Why do so many believers struggle with strongholds in their minds even though Jesus has already set them free? That's a deep question. Go ahead, have some conversation. Okay, I'm going to interrupt you, um, because I know how you guys are. If I don't stop you, you'll just talk all day. Um, 
I got one last question and then we'll eat. So you'll probably answer this one really fast. Um, I've actually got four questions. If you want all four of them, um, I will leave my notes up here on the table. You can come get them. But the last question you guys can talk about, what makes true spiritual warfare a lifelong commitment rather than a periodic act of taking authority over the devil? Let me ask that again. What makes true spiritual warfare a lifelong commitment rather than a periodic act of trying to take control over the devil? Why is, it, why is true spiritual warfare a lifelong commitment and not just a one-time prayer of telling the devil to go away? All right. Okay, we good to go? Joseph, brother, would you turn them lights back on? We're going to eat. Yes, we're going to pray. A good meaty prayer. I'll hold some ham. All right. We're going to pray, and then we're going to eat. You guys good with that? Make sure, uh, make sure today that you have the uh, opportunity to say hi to Kamal and his family as they're here today um, and get to know them. They're awesome, amazing people. And we're going to do this today um, in the offering bucket. Tim, everything that goes in the offering bucket today goes to Kamal and his family, unless it's marked Costa Rica. All right? So any offering or anything that goes in the bucket on your way out will go to Kamal and his ministry. Um, he's, he, he shared with us yesterday that since January, he's been bringing two to three people per week to Christ. Like, it's just <laughs> slamming. Um, so praise God for Brother Kamal. Why is it that we will listen for, to someone outside our country before we listen to somebody on the inside? It's kind of a spiritual rebuke, isn't it? All right, anyway, that's enough of that. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence here today, God. I thank you that your love and your compassion and your mercy is here. And Lord, as we begin to break bread physically, as we've already broken bread spiritually, Lord, again, we would experience your love through others' smiles and others' conversations and that, God, we would give you thanks, Lord. I, I just stand against the work of the enemy in everybody's life that's within the sound of my voice. Satan, I serve you notice. I, say, I serve every demonic force that is trying to pry into our lives. I serve you notice that you are defeated in the name of Jesus. And though you study us and though you try to figure out methods to get to us and to our family, they are broken in the name of Jesus. I speak, I speak confusion to the demonic forces that are trying to attack our families and our minds, and I command you to go in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I praise you. I thank you for victory through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right. Yeah, some of your kids may be upstairs, so go get your grub on.